Hello and welcome. You're listening to Our Life Well Lived, the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. In this episode, I share the audio of a conversation that I had recently with what I'll call a friend of mine, uh, Angel Madhu. So she and I have got to know each other a little bit through um, actually my job, and uh, I'm actually her daughter's teacher. And so we've developed a relationship over the last, um, I'm going to say, year and a half to two years of working together. And um, yeah, we somehow get talking about the Enneagram and the difference that it's made in our lives. And so I invited her to have a chat with it, and that's what you'll listen to in this podcast. So uh, the Enneagram, basically in a nutshell, it just describes like nine basic personality types and kind of that nine ways of seeing the world and nine ways of explaining why we do what we do. So there's lots more information provided. We don't get into all the types. Of course, we talk about our own types and our tendencies. But I hope that what you see is the value of learning a little bit more about yourself and kind of who you are, you know, at the core and how you're wired, because um, we continue to battle the same things over and over and over in our life because of just fundamentally who we are. So as soon as we can be, bring awareness to those and see those things, then we can start to work through them. And it's really a gift to just let some of those things go or just really recognize who we are. All right. Hi, everybody, and uh, welcome. So this is um, hopefully an important conversation for all of you to listen to today. And uh, this is going to be about the Enneagram. So I've invited uh, Angel Madhu to be with me for this conversation. Uh, but before I dive in and uh, give Angel a chance to introduce herself, I'll just quickly introduce myself. So I'm Leanne Hintz, and I'm actually a regional teacher for one of the online schools here in Saskatchewan. But my side project is doing things like this, and I am the creator of Our Life Well Lived, and that includes a blog and a Facebook page, and now just very, very recently a podcast. So um, those are all of my fun side projects that I have going on. And I have three daughters, of course, and they are nine, seven, and three, and my husband. And we live in Northeast Saskatchewan, kind of close to where we grew up. So, so that's me. And so I'll just turn it over to Angel and she can go ahead and introduce herself. Hi there. My name is Angel Madhu, and my daughter is one of Leanne's students. So that's how we met. Um, my daughter has a tendency to be quite fearful of things and have quite a bit of anxiety. And so um, I've taken her out of school and we homeschool now. So that's how we know Leanne. And I myself, um, I've been trained as a massage therapist and I've always been interested in health and well-being. My mom was very sick um, when I was growing up. So that's been become very important to me is just how how can we make ourselves the best that we can be, we, whether it's with nutrition or with learning about your mind and making great decisions, um, even to encouraging other people and, and helping the people around you be the best that they can be. 
Well, that's fantastic. So we do have a lot in common about that because that's everything that I believe in is just a life well lived, right? And that's why I share these kinds of things. So I did, I learned something about you though. I did not know that you're a massage therapist. So um, in all of the chatting that we've done over the last year and a half, I'm still learning new things. So um, I'm thankful for that. And yeah, this relationship has been virtual, but it's been a wonderful opportunity to get to know uh, you over the last, um, yeah, year and a bit here so yes yep yeah and so of course some of our conversations um they get quite intense and deep sometimes <laughs> actually and maybe we get sidetracked and uh it's a bright light for me though when i get to chat with you <laughs> and uh so today we're going to talk about the enneagram because that is one of the things that somehow mm -hmm. not too long ago we both got talking about and we were both mm -hmm. just like lit up about it and so mm -hmm. it's so um Anyways, that's what we're here to talk about tonight. So I just want to give a little bit of the basics, first of all. And basically, the Enneagram is, um, it's like a kind of like personality profiling, but maybe not that necessarily those words that people use. But anyhow, they use uh, basically nine personality types, which means like nine ways of seeing the world or nine ways of explaining explaining kind of why we do what we do. All right, and so a few of the basics are um, that each number has kind of the distinct characteristics or qualities, and they kind of range from maybe good to not so good to um, unfortunately sometimes not the best, you know, maybe ugly actually, right? So uh, a study of the Enneagram I feel like does kind of force us to see um, like all the parts of us, whether it's the good, you know, the bad and the ugly kind of thing. So um, I do think there is a little bit of that by learning about the Enneagram. All right, so then each part has a core fear and a core desire. Um, they talk about healthiest state and um, average and then kind of an unhealthy state. So just, you know, kind of thinking about those states of being for all of us. And then, of course, um, there's lines and then there's wings and all sorts of things. But our job here isn't today to necessarily give you all the details of every single one of those numbers uh, because I'm not qualified to do that. And I'm not sure that you are either, even though we've done no, no. reading and research and things like that. So that's not why we're here, but just to kind of maybe spur some interest um, and get people to start thinking about, um, you know, what the Enneagram is, but probably more importantly, why it matters, right? So we will get into that. Um, I'll just kind of talk about it just a little bit more. Some people worry about being kind of put into a box, right? When it comes to the Enneagram, they're like, oh, well, I don't want to be only a one and, you know, a perfectionist that's resentful all the time, right? Or something okay. like that. They get worried okay. about that. And one of the sources that I've read that I really liked the way they described it was, think about picking out a paint color in the hardware store right? So you're going to pick red. Well, there's like an infinite number of mm -hmm. possibilities of red, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the same way that, you know, even with a type one, for example, or a type four, there's like an infinite number of ways that that would present itself. So yeah. not to worry that you're still, you know, a unique human being, even though you have these general tendencies, for example. So that's one thing that I think lots of people are resistant about sometimes with the Enneagram mm -hmm. is they're kind of worried about being put into that box. So do you have anything to add for like what it is? Like as far as um, that part goes? Yeah. Um, when I was doing my research, I just 
really um, appreciated the part that says this, it's not a psychological test. So this isn't something that was devised, um, you know, 40 or 50 years ago or something to try to put people into a box to help understand them better. This is a tool that was given that can be used in any part of life, whether you're a teacher or in the corporate world or a mom like I right. am at home and right. just trying to get more um, awareness of myself and how to help my children and my husband. So it really, it's, it's not, it's exactly that, not putting you into a box at all. It's helping you to understand how yourself and others perceive the world. How do they take in what's happening to them or, or what, um, how you speak to them or, or how people speak to you? How are you taking that in? What, what are your glasses um, filtering, right? Is it, is it the kind of the whole rose colored glasses where you're just seeing everything through positive light? You know, what are your glasses telling you and, and how do you take that in? And I find that's what's been the best thing about this is just allowing me to, to have an insight into the people around me, into their lives, but myself, giving me insight into myself, which has helped me altogether become healthier and a better person. Right. And I have to uh, completely agree with you. Like as far as um, like the people around me, I have to say that I'm, I don't know necessarily all of their numbers, right? For one thing with mm -hmm. younger children, you know, you're not really supposed to type them anyways, but mm -hmm. as you learn about types, like my kids are fairly young yet. So, but as you learn about types and like, I could definitely say with my oldest daughter, I can see where her tendencies are. And I feel like she might be a four, for example, but I would never go around saying that she's a four yet. Um, but then knowing that I can see, you know, learn more about fours. And I actually, like, I've realized that, and I know that I'm a one, right? So then I actually did my research about like ones and fours together and how can mm -hmm. they, how can they best get along, right? What, <laughs> what are the, uh, the strengths that they both have? What can they bring out in each other? Like the good stuff. And then just mm -hmm. recognizing even some of the things that aren't so good that, you know, why we might be bunting heads, for example, mm -hmm. on certain things, right? So yes. that's been pretty powerful. So I think, but without saying it, we are starting to get into the importance of like why the Enneagram matters. And so I, I just... I just want to take a minute to say like I've actually I would say I think it was the spring of this year so sort of when I really started to dive into it a little bit more so it's not a long journey for me yet it's maybe you know six seven months but I have to say even in that six seven months there's been some dramatic shifts in my life just recognizing some of my tendencies for example or the things that are just who I am kind of at the core so <laughs> And what about you? How long do you think that, like, how long has it been that since you've been um, kind of starting to learn about the Enneagram? Yeah, so it's been about two years now, um, and I have enjoyed doing research. I really enjoy that part. So just finding other authors that um, give you a little bit of a different insight of, of the numbers and the Enneagram. And so it's been a little bit, but I hear you. Um, once I learned what my number was, it just, it is like, like, I could just see myself in a whole new light. And it was through humility and compassion for myself, which right. I didn't have a lot of before. Right. So I'm, an, I'm a four. Right. Which is funny because that's what you said about your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm a four. And so parts of being a four 
are, um, I, I feel things. I'm the romantic. I feel things. So I get quite a bit more excited than other people do about things, which also means then that I can become more sad about situations right. that are happening. I feel it deeper. Yeah. So that is kind of an up and a down right. all the time. It's a bit of a cycle and right. it can happen all within an hour or five minutes or a day or a week or a month or a season. Right. Yeah. So that is scary for other people. It's scary for myself until I understood that I'm not the only one like this, that right. there are tons of other fours that are actually experiencing life the same way I do. They perceive the world the same way I do. And that has really helped me to, like I said, have more compassion for myself. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So talking about that, so then you've said that you're a four. Well, I realize that I'm a one, right? So mm -hmm. um, ones actually go to four in, uh, I think in their, I feel like maybe in their unhealthier vision, <laughs> they go to yes. four. So I've always felt like, you know, I mentioned that I feel like my daughter's a four. I always feel like I completely understand how she's feeling, actually, because I actually have a lot of those intense emotions as well. And so everything that she's experiencing, I, I get it, right? It's hard as a mother because, like, you know, we need to be able to cope with those feelings and we need strategies to deal with those and things like that. But I, I completely get it because, you know, I do have those same intense feelings, I feel like. Um, but ones are perfectionists, right? Which, mm -hmm. which um, you know, when I can see like over the years, all of my overwhelm and anxiety and issues that I like constantly, constantly have been struggling with, right? Um, and that's all because I want things to be perfect. And then the thing is with ones is they actually have a, a really harsh inner critic, right? And so there's a voice inside of me that's constantly telling me that I'm not good enough, right? Or that it's not perfect or it's not, you know, and so then that will make me spiral down into maybe the worst of the four. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. then you feel like you're not good enough and it's, that doesn't matter what mm -hmm. you do. And so now, but knowing that and learning that, then I was like, when the inner critic shows up, I can just kind of say, oh, like, there you are, inner mm -hmm. critic. Right. Mm -hmm. And instead of like letting it take a foothold and pulling mm -hmm. me down, I can just see, I can see what's happening. Right. So I feel like the, the, there's this, this awareness, right. And where I can be not be pulled down into that pit. I can just recognize what's happening. Right. So I was five minutes late for something. Um, mm -hmm. And in, my inner critic would be like, how could you be late? Right. You should plan better. Mm -hmm. Right. Why are you being so, you know, so tardy? It's just rude. You know, you've upset these people and like your daughter was upset now and, you know, and it can just spiral down and it can affect the whole rest of the day. Right. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. If I let it, but now I can, I can see it and I can, I can still be disappointed that I was late and I can try and make something mm -hmm. do something different, but I, it doesn't control my whole day now. If mm -hmm. that makes sense. So that's just like one yep. example, but so that's yeah. the perfectionist and the inner critic. Those are like definitely two tendencies. And like, you know, when I go back and look at my journals and all the things that 
you know, I've been struggling with for all these years and trying to yes. fix. And yes. you can't fix it because it's just who you are, right? Yes. So. Yes. It's just your tendency. That's how you take in your world. Right. And so as a four, um, it's not always the number that people love being. So yeah. that's, it's definitely a trickier one because yeah. the feelings are up and down, right? Um, but it's interesting. So the part that I really identified when I was reading through the number um, and just, you know, figuring out was this exactly the number that was right for me um, is that through my whole entire life, as long as I can remember, I never quite felt like I belonged. So even within my family, I, I really wanted to be unique and I wanted to be different than, than everybody else in my family. So, you know, if they were wearing plaid, well, I was going to wear stripes. Like it just, right. I needed to be different than everybody around me. I needed to be unique. Right. But with that, I always felt um, a distance and I never felt lovable. And so like there was always this ingrained fault that there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And this shame would build up through all these years of my life. And so as an adult, you're trying to figure out, like, this is crazy. What are you even feeling shame for? And what did you possibly do when you were younger that could create all this shame in your, in your heart and in your mind, right? Right. So once I, once I learned that I was a four and I was reading through that, it just, it hit home in my heart and in my right. spirit that, oh my goodness, you know what? There isn't anything wrong with me. Right. I am lovable. There are people surrounding me in my life as I grew up and right now in my life that I have felt do not love me. Right. That, like I said, I'm just not lovable. And now that I can sit back and realize I'm not the only one that feels this way. Right. There are tons of fours out there that see the world the same way through those glasses. Right. And now that I know that, um, I let myself off the hook, right? So if I do something and it's not perfect enough, or do if I let somebody down and automatically the shame, this crazy shame response will happen and right. I will, you know, push myself away from them and, and um, go into self-pity, I can stop that now, right? And right. I can talk to myself, do that self-talk and just tell myself, Angel, they love you for right. who you are, what you bring to the table. They don't love you because you're there on time all the time. Right. They don't love you because you make great banana bread. Right. You know, they, they love you just because of who you are. You are. And that might, that might seem really silly to people. But to me, this was a breakthrough. Because when you're living a life not feeling good enough and not feeling lovable and just you know, have this umbrella of shame on you. Hmm. It's so limiting, isn't it? Like yes. it, it just limits you and it freezes you and, and it, you're just so full of pain. Right. And so now it's almost as if, um, the, the hose is open and that's all able to pour out now. Right. And so I, you know, and when I do have something coming up, that I start feeling those, except especially the shame now, I do, I just stop it. Right. And first of all, there is nothing I could ever do that would equate 
the amount of shame that I put on myself. Right. Yes. Nobody else has put that shame on me like that. It's been myself. Right. And so being your own worst critic. Right. That's what this has helped me out with the most is I have, um, I've become very humble and right. realizing that these are what my, my weaknesses are, right. my sensitivities are. But by understanding that, um, I don't have to have those limiting beliefs anymore. Right. I don't have to believe those lies um, of how I take things in. I can stop it and I can believe and acknowledge that I, I am loved. I am good enough. I, I have feelings that go up and down, but people tell me that I'm a lot of fun to be with. Right. You know, exactly. I get excited about things. And when people are in sorrow or they've had difficulties in their life, I can be right there with them and right. really, really understand that right. depth. Whereas not everybody can do that. Right. And people aren't comfortable really going into depths of despair with people. No, that's right. So it's a gift that you can offer to people too, right? Because of your experience, right? So yeah. thank you so much for sharing that. So I actually see a lot of similarities in, in like what you're talking about and what the, like, I think fours and ones actually have more connection than you think sometimes. So fours yes, probably fours, I'm thinking, and this is, don't quote me on this, but they go to the lower qualities of one, right? So when you talk about that inner critic and that shame mm -hmm. and that maybe that perfectionist uh, tendency that we have sometimes, mm -hmm. or, and then ones can be really rigid in terms of like what's right and what's wrong, like mostly, oh, right? Yes. And so, yes. Um, you know, and I know that you and I have talked about this before. So I know like as far as um, like having a high standard for myself and the things around me and things mm -hmm. like that has served me well, right? Like, mm -hmm. so, you know, I know striving per to, for perfection is, is not healthy necessarily, but having a high standard and, and striving for a high standard, I still feel like that, that has served me well, right? And so you and I know have talked about like the maybe 90% is good enough instead of like, you know, having to have a hundred percent time, right? Like, you know, yes. because if I'm not at a hundred, then I would beat myself up about it. But 90% is really fantastic too, right? And so mm -hmm. just kind of accepting that that's okay to, it's not perfect, but it's pretty dang good, right? And even 80% yeah. can be, is really good, right? So yeah, kind of trying to put that back into perspective sometimes. So yeah. So one other thing I have to talk about with ones, and I know I've shared this with, um, you know, in a few of my writing pieces, but ones, um, you know, kind of the deadly sin of the one is um, resentment. And so it's kind of like the inner critic and really just starting, like, just, just naming it and recognizing that that's where I go when I'm, you know, unhappy or something's, you know, happening around me it's kind of like the same as that inner critic. You, you, now that there's that awareness and that acceptance of that's where I go when things aren't the way that I would maybe like them to be. And it's kind of, again, just that greeting of seeing it and naming it and then just not letting it take that foothold, right? Mm -hmm. um, and like, imagine how that's changed my experience with my children, with my husband, when you're not um, wrapped up in resentment about whatever's happening or not happening in your home, right? For example, like mm -hmm. about the garbage or about a hunting <laughs> trip or et cetera, et cetera. So 
that's, it's been really powerful just recognizing that that's where I would go, right? When it, when things weren't going the way I wanted them to, for example, right? Yeah. And yep. so it still tries to creep up, but then I can just see, I can see what's happening and I can just kind of name it and then work through the resentment, like whatever, if there's something I need to talk to somebody about or something like that, then go yeah. ahead and do that, but not let it take a foothold and mm -hmm. ruin ruin our time together right mm -hmm. or because it makes me it makes me say pretty ugly things or do things that I really don't like mm -hmm. right so mm -hmm. so yeah that was a another big one for me so just thinking about that in in terms of my number as well so so yeah, yeah I think just that awareness and just total mm -hmm. acceptance for who we are right and mm -hmm. I know uh, you and I talked about this as well. The, the, the one thing that kind of caught me at the beginning was why I wanted to read it was the idea or learn more about the Enneagram was this idea of like, you will battle the same things your entire yes. life. Oh my goodness. Yes. Right? And so once someone just said that, I'm like, cause I, you know, have these moments of like, well, I'm 36 years old already. Why am I still doing the same things over and over and over? Yes, Why 47. Yeah. And I hear you. Why can't I we fix you. this? Why can't we? Like, yeah. what is Our it? kids, we see it in our kids too, right? Yes. Every year that they get older and you're thinking, why are you still repeating that same? It's so same true. Action, same yeah. thought. And it, like, mm -hmm. I have to say that, like with my oldest daughter, you know, when I, I look back to like the last, now it's been two, three, four, you know, three years now and it's it's the same things all the time and of course I've, I've been investing all of my energy into trying to fix all of it yeah and you know only recently even just through this learning it's like she's not fixable like that's not going to be something that I can fix as her parent right that is mm -hmm. who she is and mm -hmm. I think that's another really important part of this piece is like as we learn great it's learn to learn about ourselves but like yeah. learning about our family members, you know, and even if I, like, like I said, I don't know their numbers necessarily, but if I can see even just knowing that we're different, right. Yes. That, yes. Just knowing that and just accepting that. And sometimes like there's things I just like, you know, there's a tendency of a four to see what's missing all the time, for example. Mm -hmm. Right. And so instead mm -hmm. of seeing my kid as like, Oh my God, she's so ungrateful. Like she never, sees what's right in front of her like how you know yes. she has everything how could she yes. you know but you know the one thing that I read about fours is they always notice what's missing right and so <laughs> yes. it's just like you know but now that I know that when she like comes to me and says oh I wish you know I wish so-and-so was here after school today or you know what I mean mm. or something like that mm -hmm. instead of like having an emotional response on my end to her complaint or whatever, I can just be like, uh, like in my head, it's like, oh, there's a four again. You know, they don't, they don't see, you know, they notice what's missing, right? For example, yeah. right? And I know this yeah. is just one small example, but yeah, as we learn about the people around us, there's a lot of yes. power in that, right? So yes, do you have more to say about that? Because I'm sure definitely. you definitely, yeah, so. yeah, definitely. So, um, probably a few stories. One is with my son. And so he just graduated high school. And it's really interesting. But throughout his life, I, I really didn't have to um, repeat to him, 
um, if he had done something wrong or if I needed him to do something because he's a one and he's so hard on himself right. and criticizes himself so bad that I didn't need to add to that. Right. And so that was a really big thing that I, that I learned is just he, he is a thinker, you know, he is um, processing life and he's doing a fantastic job and he's going to do it in his time. Right. And I don't have to pick on him to get things done. I don't have to pick on him that, you know, you're not doing your math enough. You're not doing this enough because he is so hard on himself. He knows that already. Right. Yeah. So I was able just to lay back on that and become the encourager right. and become the one that says you don't have to be perfect. Right. 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 Like, you know, offer yourself grace because yeah. you didn't need to get a hundred percent on that. Right. You know? Yeah. And so that's been an important yeah, one. So it sounds and like it's a gift that you knowing that that would be his tendency yes. and you can, yeah, like you said, just encourage him and support him and understand, like, know that that's what he would be feeling, right? And yes. offer that compassion for him as well. So that's a gift. Exactly. Too, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I know with my husband, um, we've been married for 18 years. And it's really funny, but throughout that time, right, I would go into kind of that four mode and I would feel um, unloved, right, yeah. and, and not accepted. And it's so funny. He's a five. And so his natural tendency is he is a thinker. He's an investigator. He loves reading books. He loves delving in and um, learning about things as much as he can. On the other hand, he doesn't like the whole feeling part very much. So right. that's what he suppresses. He does not give out, um, you know, his feelings easily or really ever at all. Right. So when you have a person like me who's feeling oriented, that's how right. I perceive everything. And he, that's exactly how he does not perceive things. It created a lot of struggles with both of us, right? With right. me not offering love and respect to him. And me thinking that he doesn't love me, right? You know, and and finally, once that happened, I can I can tell him, you know, I I can you put that down and can you come and spend some time with me, um, right. without feeling any kind of resentment, right? Right. And without feeling like he's abandoning me because he's not. He's right. been here for eighteen years. Right. He doesn't want to go anywhere, right? right? Yeah. Um, and then vice versa. So when he gets home from work. I used to expect him to just come into the kitchen, start helping me, you know, like a right. commercial, like just start yeah. helping me and we're right. doing everything together and we're talking about our days. Yeah. But he never would do that. He would come home and he would kind of go into a cave and he would read or put on some music because he had to decompress. Part right. of being a five is not being, or just, you know, once you're around people, you have to decompress on your own and, and it takes a lot of energy to be around people. So right. once I realized that, I don't, I don't have those expectations of him anymore. Right. And if I really, really want to do something, um, want him to come and join me or to do something, I just have to ask, right? Right. Yeah. I just have to ask. And it's not about expectations anymore. It's about really realizing where people are at and how they're perceiving their world. And it just becomes so much easier to offer grace. For sure. Right. And it, yeah, it, it definitely is just... 
Yeah, it can. That's the thing I think is that it, it is really powerful in terms of your relationships with people. And that's one of the things that when in when I wrote my piece about the Enneagram, I said, like, really, what else matters besides the relationships that you have with the people that you live yes. with? Right. And yes. so whether that's, you know, your husband or your partner or your children or whoever, like, I know that I've always been longing for just like some some peace and some understanding and you know things like that well i think the enneagram has the opportunity to offer that as a gift um for people right as you just yeah just learn about who they are right and just just realize that you you don't see things necessarily the same and just the acceptance of that is just such a gift and like you said you know and just giving them the grace right so if you give your husband that space at the end of his day and then, you know, like you said, no expectations tied to that yes. or anything like that. I'm sure you feel better because, you know, you weren't expecting anything when he came home and he probably has, a, you know, feels better because he has a chance to just decompress. And then mm-hmm. chances are you can get together later, right? Or whatever, when he's exactly. ready, you're ready, right? And exactly. you can be from a place like, you know, of, of love and just security even, right? Instead yes. of, um, yeah, like all of the other emotions that we wrap into all of those things, right? So yep, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. Exactly. And I know one more example yep. is just my daughter and I, we are exactly polar opposites. So we, I would push her buttons. Right. And maybe parents don't admit that, but we push oh, our yeah. kids' buttons, okay? Yeah. And she would push my buttons like, oh my goodness, we, you know, and we spend a lot of time together and yeah. doing homeschooling. Yeah. Um, it would become incredibly challenging. So once we found out um, what her numbers tended to be, which was a nine six, um, and once she found out what I was, we now are able to come to a common ground. So with her numbers, she she doesn't want to hear about all my feelings she doesn't she doesn't want to do that so now that i know that i can choose what feelings i'm going to have around her and i can choose what i share with her right so she is a peacemaker she she will do everything she can to create peace Mm. she also is a loyalist she is the most loyal person um she she has a tendency with fear and anxiety though those are both parts of a six and a nine right and so with that she she needs a plan and she needs structure and she needs that security so when you know that as a parent and as a teacher then you supply that and it just it automatically helps her feel more secure right and so when she's more secure then she's you know making better decisions for herself she's able to interact um one thing about a six they are so scared and they want to plan everything and um, have an idea if something goes wrong well she's such a planner that way she rides horses right and when she was just starting to learn um to ride on a horse that lopes and is going faster right he rides a really large horse and he's very strong and he took off on her one time and he just started loping so fast around the arena and with her having all that fear and anxiety i don't know i expected her just to tense up and fall off or something like right. I, I really became very scared for her um but you know what sixes when there is a crisis they are calm cool and collected because they 
they are prepared for this. They've been preparing for this right. moment, right? They've been thinking about the worst case scenario for so long wow. that when it happens, they know how to deal with it. And so she grabbed that horse and she was able to, you know, bring him around and bring him back down to a walk and, yeah. and then stop. And yeah, once it was all done, then she just let out and cried, right? Right. But in the process of it, she is, you would never guess that she's a person that deals with fear and anxiety. And people say that all the time. Right. She just comes across so confident and, um, and really can, can deal with crises well. Right. Oh, that must have been a proud moment as a mama. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's great though. Like it's, um, it, there's comfort in knowing that she, you know what I mean? There is some planning going on there and some processing for her and that she can handle those difficult situations when they come up. Right. And so mm -hmm. I'm sure that's a gift for you knowing that as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So even yeah. though that you're seeing the fear, like you're seeing maybe the emotional side of it with the fear and the anxiety, but there is those other things below the surface kind of that are there for her and how she is wired, right? So exactly, able to, like it's again, it'll probably be where she's going to her lower, um, you know, how they exhibit the lower type of qualities. Mm -hmm. That's where the fear and the anxiety is coming in. But then, mm -hmm. you know, in her healthiest state, she would be able to um, tackle those things with ease, for example, because of her mm -hmm. Right. For so, sure. And you know, and it's about tools, right? Like sure. the Enneagram is another tool that you can have to help understand yourself better, yeah. to help understand the people that are in your life and to grow those relationships, to just really um, begin to accept each other for who we are. And I know we say that all the time. Oh, you just got to accept that person. And, mm. and, um, it's not as easy right. as you we think, just, right? We want to accept, yeah, we want to accept all the great things about them. We want them to change so that they're more likable, which right. means we're thinking that about ourselves too, right? We For need sure. to change so we're more likable. Whereas this way, you can take a deep breath and breathe out and realize that you are wonderfully made exactly how you are, how you even are. with these sensitivities and and the way right. you view things or having too much emotion or having fears and anxiety yeah. it's okay for it's sure okay and then i feel really grateful that i know this information now and my kids you know have been in an age where i can still teach them and provide and help them right because i that's what we focused on now are these tendencies that they have and giving them resources and tools and and practice time right they're getting to right. practice now these tools so that these aren't hang-ups for them their whole lives and they're right. not going to try to think oh what's wrong with me you know they're going to be able to identify it and choose differently and think differently yeah. and love themselves and not um you know not give up pieces of themselves along the way because they they didn't like that part in them right for they sure. don't have to hide any of that yeah. anymore they can just acceptance yeah what acceptance. a gift like I honestly think and I think that you and I touched on this before it's like if we can give like you know you're you saying I'm 37 trying to figure this out and they're you're 47 and you know what I mean we're mm -hmm. like just if we could give our kids this gift much oh. earlier in their lives imagine mm -hmm. how they can soar right when they're not mm -hmm. bound by all these things and trying to you know even just expending their energies into trying to you know, fix certain things about themselves, mm -hmm. or why am I always like this, or yeah, know, those kinds of things. Like that's a gift to yeah. just, like you said, just that you're wonderfully made the way you are, yes. and uh, 
you know, I just love the, I like the way they explain it in terms of like the healthiest version of you, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what, like, to me, that's always what we should be striving for, right? Is the, the, the best version of ourselves, right? Even though, and of course, we'll have those moments where we're not, or, you know, we slip and fall, but just recognizing that then we can make choices to get back to a healthier version of ourselves, for example, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I actually mm-hmm. think it's, it's quite liberating as a parent, because not to say that it's not our job to encourage and to guide and to, you know, influence our kids and things like that. But truthfully, there's parts of them that will be the way they are, whether regardless of our influence. And I find that kind of liberating where I don't have to try and keep fixing some of these things. Right? Oh my goodness, for sure. Because, for sure. Because when someone has fear and anxiety, then you you do everything you possibly can as a parent to eliminate that, yes. right? Well, when you do that and you do that and you do that, their world gets really, really small because everything is is setting them off, right? Yeah. So now that we understand that, we don't. her world doesn't have to be small anymore. We no. can go and try things out and we can talk through things and, yeah. and um, you know, and it's, like for sure, it's part of development. Yeah, yeah, for sure, at least still supporting them, I think, through the, you know, as best we can, like, in terms of their own tools and strategies and things mm-hmm. like that, but not, like, I, I don't know, and, like, for me, I guess I've always, as a parent, have really taken a lot of the responsibility of, mm-hmm. I feel like, my kids, you know, actions and things like that, but, you know, it's actually kind of liberating because it's, it's not me, actually. Yeah. They're their own people, right? And so, yeah. you know, and I've, I know that, you know, sometimes our kids do unthinkable things, right? Or things that we would never dream of doing ourselves. And you're like, you know, we kind of want to pull our hair out, but they, <laughs> yeah. they are what they are, right? And yeah. so yeah. Like, not to say that I'm condoning like bad behavior or anything like that, but just recognizing that that is, you know, what they, how the way they see it, for example. Like, for example, some are, some types are more self-centered than other types, right? And so, you know, rather than being angry that my child is exhibiting, you know, self-centered qualities and not being able to think of other people, right? All she wants mm-hmm. is thinking about for Christmas is what she wants and not what other people want. If I can just recognize that that's just a, that's kind of just the way she's wired, then mm-hmm. I can just accept it, right? Instead of being yeah. like irritated as a parent or, oh my God, how could I be raising such a selfish human being, right? And so yeah. I think it's quite liberating as a parent sometimes too. And not to say that I won't continue to try to teach her to think of other people, but- Exactly, exactly. You know, so anyways, it's just, yeah, it's just a lot of, um, yeah, grace and acceptance and um, c- just compassion for ourselves as we learn about ourselves and then for those people around us. And I don't know what other gift that we could offer um, ourselves or, um, you know, our families or the people like our friends or the people that are around us besides that. So mm-hmm. definitely. Any final definitely. thoughts? Um, you know, just, just this one thing is that there are the nine types and there is not one type that is better than another. Thank you for saying that. So as Leanne was saying, right, as Leanne was saying that she um, is a one, but when she is having weaknesses and, um, you know, and struggling with things, she goes down into a four. Well, I'm a four, but it doesn't mean that that a four is bad. Bad. No, no. That's, you know, she will have tendencies to be more moody, to maybe push people away, to... Um, she could let her feelings take over her, right? Right, yeah. Um, 
but it's funny when I'm doing well, I'm, I'm a four and I'm handling all those things and choosing my, what feelings I'm going to feel. But when I'm not doing great, I, and I'm really stressed out, I go into a one, right? Right. Yeah. And so then I'm trying to take control over everything. I'm, I'm trying to, um, you know, just have everything work out the way I want it to. I'm looking for perfection yeah. and that's my weakness. Right. So that's how it works is we all have those different numbers that we're connected to and right. that when we're weaker, we go towards one. And when we're, you know, at our Longer. best, we go yeah. towards another. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, it's not set in stone and, mm. and not one is better than the other. No, thank you for saying that. And I appreciate that because there isn't like a hierarchy of one to nine. Like, no, you know, I'm no like, hierarchy. oh, I'm a number one. I must be the best <laughs> one, right? No, that's not it yeah. at all, right? So No, it isn't at all. No, and it's just sure. all connected the way we are and the yeah. way our relationships are. We're just, we're multifaceted. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for clarifying that. I think that was an important clarification at the end. So all right. Well, I feel like we have given lots of lots of things for people to listen to and to chew on and to think about. And if they're not inspired by this, I don't even know why, what to say, because I think that um, anybody would, you know, be inspired by some of the things that we've shared and at least to pick up a book and read a little bit more about it. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Well, thank, thank you so again. much for having me. Yes. Well, thank you. This was another uh, dream come true having this conversation. So I appreciate it so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Our Life Well Lived, the podcast. Be sure to check out Our Life Well Lived, Leanne Hintz, the website, and Our Life Well Lived, Leanne Hintz, the Facebook page. Like and follow and share your heart out. The more you do, the more the word spreads about a life well lived. Thanks so much for being here.